Welcome back, everybody, and happy Friday and happy almost Thanksgiving. Yes, happy almost Thanksgiving. I meant to say happy almost Halloween. So uh, whatever, <laughs> we're in a holiday season, so why not start celebrating everything? God knows we need more celebrations right about now. Uh, I wanted to welcome to the show a very talented actor, somebody who I have lots of questions for, Mr. Mark McKinnon. Please welcome. Hello, how's it going? Going very well, and thank you for uh, for jumping on, Mark. Uh, thanks for uh, brightening up uh, our Friday. Um, I the the first thing, and, and we'll get we'll get to your projects uh, in a minute. But kind of in doing my background on you, I had a chance, uh, and I ran across a video that you shot of your uh, proposal uh, to your lovely wife, uh, uh, Brittany. I yeah. I knew it was Brittany, but I just wanted to confirm, so I don't I don't say it wrong. And um, everybody should check out the video. We're, we're going to put it right below this, uh, so please go and take a look. But uh, that was that was so so sweet. I, I really really enjoyed watching it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I, that that was a lot of production that went behind that more than I thought it would. You know, it started off as a simple idea, <laughs> and then I realized, all right, if I'm gonna do this, I gotta fully do it. Um, it started off with me actually uh, creating a fake email from a magazine that's already out, but I made it a Gmail and I, you know, wrote my wife because she's really big uh, at that time on abstinence and sexual purity. So I reached out to her from the magazine to say, hey, you know, uh, we would love to have you on our show and, you know, want to interview you and your fiance. And she fell for it. So here I am sitting right beside her, you know, typing this email, sending it. And she's going back and forth. She's looking at me like, oh, my God, Mark, look at this. Look at this email. We should do it. Do you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, we should. This is great. Uh, and she was all for it because I knew in my mind one of the things she always said was that she wanted to have her nails done. She wanted to make done. You know, so I had to come up with a reason for her to go get that done without mm -hmm. giving a big proposal away. And it all worked out. Called some friends who were filmmakers. Um, the my friend um, Christine, she's an actress that Brittany knew about, but never met her in person. And so that worked out completely. So it just all worked out. A lot of my friends came to the watch party and we just had a really good time. I actually want to watch that video again. It's been a while since I watched it, but I'm going to check that back out because that was a great memory. It's uh, it was it was really good. I, I definitely, you know, props to you for uh, for doing the whole thing. I basically, you know, got a job and then I rushed uh, to my, you know, my current wife, uh, the only wife, uh, home and, uh, you know, plumped down and proposed right in the middle of them celebrating her father's birthday. So that, that was my whole thing. There was the only planning that went into effect was the fact that I got the ring uh, beforehand. And I, you know, I, I knew that I was going to be getting a job. I knew that, you know, I went to the interviews. Had a good feeling about it, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna drive straight there. So that was the only planning that went into effect. You needed an, another IMDb credit for your stuff, so. Oh, absolutely. I needed a budget. I needed all types of things to pull this proposal off, besides mm -hmm. just getting the rig. And it, it all worked out, though. It came together, and she, to this day, uh, talks about it. You know, where she she says she was completely shocked. It's hard to shock her. It's hard to surprise her. Mm -hmm. So to pull that off with so many moving parts, it, it really worked out well like i'm excited i was worried about her for a second because as she walked into the viewing party she it's like she collapsed i'm like oh my god are you right so 
It's like one thing after another. She thought it was over. I was like, wait, let's go eat, you know. And we walked in and she see all these people. So yeah, that was my living room TV yeah. <laughs> at the time in that watch room. We went to um, mm -hmm. this Italian restaurant where it was, and you know, it it, it was good. It, it all worked out. Well, listen, uh, I, if she didn't uh, think of you as an actor before that, she really got a taste of how good you are and uh, <laughs> not, not great. Yeah, that's great. Um, All right. Um, so I, you know, um, I think it uh, it came out, right? Uh, the the BT, um, BT series, BT Her series, uh, The Winning Room, it came out October 17th. Is that correct? Yes, yes, it came out and it, it, it really made a, not, a lot of noise, especially in our community. So many people were talking about it. So it was great to be a part of something that made such an impact in our community. Yeah, and uh, it's it wasn't an easy role for you to play because you were dealing with a topic that you know certainly affected your family or your grandfather, I think your dad as well, right? Or your grandmother. Yeah, my grandmother, my grandmother, yeah, my grandmother and my father. Uh, yeah, my father had prostate cancer. My grandmother had breast cancer. Um, and I felt bad when I first had the opportunity to even take on the role because I didn't know too much about uh, cancer. You know, you hear the, the 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 general things about it, but as I started to dig into this role and realized that my fiance in the movie has triple negative breast cancer, I'm like, wait, what is that? You know, I had to dig deeper to really understand it, and it made the the pain even heavier uh, based on what my grandmother went through. Because now I'm realizing, wow, she went through that. You know, at the time I was super young, so I didn't really understand. But to be a grown adult now and to really know a little bit more about what someone goes through when they're going through that fight of cancer, I mean, it, it really made a huge impact. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a really scary process. We had, you know, my uh, my father-in-law uh, had uh, brain cancer. Um, wow. You know, I'm gonna say we went through it, but you know, compared to him, we didn't go through anything, right? You know, everybody goes through their own, but he's the one that had it. So it's it's a it's a really difficult scary and you know just a life-changing proposition um from from a pure acting perspective again you you kind of alluded to the fact that it was uh, you know it was even heavier to play that uh because of your personal experience did you utilize that personal experience uh in the takes uh, is that where kind of you went uh, to get your emotional depth from uh, for me, it wasn't from my uh, grandmother and my father's passing that re I really pulled from. I pulled from a situation that me and my wife went through. She had a big health scare in 2018 where she was diagnosed with Bell's palsy. The entire left side of her face was completely paralyzed. Wow. Like, it just came out of nowhere. One day we was on a trip coming from somewhere and she was like, I can't feel my face. I'm thinking she's joking. But she literally was like, I cannot feel my face. But the next day, her whole face was just drooped. It was just down. So when we went to go get it checked out and they said Bell's palsy, we were like, wait, Bell's palsy. And when we realized what she was dealing with, it was really, really scary. Um, so I pulled a lot from that because just like in the movie, you know, I had to become, I've always been supportive, but on another level, I had to learn new ways to support her, new ways to make her feel beautiful. You know, because when she first got diagnosed, she didn't want to do no more of her job. You know, she didn't want to go nowhere. And I had to force her to get out, force her to still go on dates. And it was tough. I had my breakdowns through it as well because, you know, we say, all right, yeah, I do at the altar, but this is a new uh, territory in marriage that we had to collectively accept, you know. And I say, you know, this is who I'm going to marry. This is who God put in my life. So I'm going to be there for her, you know. So I pulled a lot from that aspect of the movie when it came from the emotional um, pain. Yeah. How is she doing now? Oh, she's healed. <laughs> 
She's completely, which is a, a blessing because it was predicted that it would take six months to maybe a couple of years. And she was healed in 45 days. As we did our research, we found out when you really tackle stress and you make sure your stress levels are down, we made sure she still did her normal routine. Uh, we even got her to do acupuncture. We did everything we could to make sure we just, you know, coped with it. And after 45 days, it was completely gone. Like even the doctor was just shocked, you know, blown away. Like, like, wow, this we never seen it go away so fast. Thank God. Uh, that's 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 really good to hear. Um, yeah, I, it, one more kind of a little kind of just acting thing because this is all about the love of acting, and we love talking shop here. So. Um, did you find because again you know we're, we're taping we have to do lots of takes did you right. find that even though you were tapped in to that uh, to that emotional um past did you find that it was always there and available for you or it waned uh, through the takes and you had to kind of uh, work around it it was complete opposite like I, by the time we got to the first take because you know you have time to prepare you know i listen to music yeah. you know i did things to really reconnect to that moment and once you finish that first take, you almost forget that like, oh, I have to do this again. So once I finish my first take for a lot of those emotional scenes, I'm like, all right, whoo, let's what's next? They're like, nope, let's get the wide shot. Or look, let's get a little bit closer. You know, and that really was a relearning experience for me because I realized, yeah, you gotta you gotta split this up because by the time I got to the third or fourth take, sometimes more than that, I was like, I gotta really <laughs> cough up something deep. You know, but I was able to uh, work it out, and, and I, I now know the next time I have to play something this heavy, you know, I know how to kind of like just give a little bit at a time, you know, because they're always going to uh, want more, different angles, different takes, absolutely. Yeah, and um, I, I had a conversation which we're going to be posting tonight uh, with uh, with now his name escapes me. It's Mike. Uh, Mike. Uh, I'll come up with them in a second. So uh, I was talking to Michael Divine. That see, well, as soon as I said Michael, the the last name <laughs> Mike. It, like it's all about the brain and how we keep the information. So Michael Divine, who's awesome, and uh, talking to him, he just you know did an HBO uh, show with Nicole Kidman. Uh, who see Mike? If you're listening, you see that I remember her name now. So um, and he was saying that you know in her dramatic scenes, it was such an interesting uh, thing to observe that when it was a wide shot, you know, she offered certain things. And as it got closer and closer and closer and closer to an extreme close up, it was just complete uh, switch of she went internal. So like all of this technical stuff, you know, we have to know how to use it. Otherwise, you know, just because they teach us as actors that we can get to a certain emotional place, you need to know how to do it again and again and again. And to the camera and to the type of shot it is, all of that is, you know, a learned skill. Yeah, I, I agree, you know, cause I'm telling actors that all the time, you know, a lot of times, you know, we always told take acting classes. I'm like, yes, take acting classes, but make sure you're taking on camera acting classes as well. Because those are the classes gonna help you really hone in on those skills. You know, it's not about just getting in a character, but it's about really understanding what works for the camera. And it took me years to get that down. You know, I didn't understand that at first. You know, when I first started auditioning in New York, I came from a heavy theater background. And like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm in character. I'm, I'm giving you my through line. I'm, I'm fully connected. And everyone kept saying, too much, too big, too much, too big. And I didn't understand at all. And then I finally came across the Michael Caine acting and film video. That was my first on-camera acting class. It was a YouTube video that I accidentally stumbled upon. And I was like, you know what? I'm doing this all wrong on yeah. camera it changed my life changed my career 
Uh, I saw it. I love it. Uh, I bought his book, uh, the acting on on uh, film, which is great. Uh, yes. I reference it all the time, down to like the finer points that he's talking about. Of you know, if, if when you're doing a shot uh, and the camera is over there, you can be like this. You can be to the left side because they're not going to see your eyes. You have to be to the right so they can see your eyes. I'm like, ah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. A small thing makes a huge difference. It, it, it changes everything. Yeah. Um, and this this actually is a nice uh, you know segue into your own studio because you have a studio in which you're offering uh, acting classes and you're offering coaching. So do you bring the reality of what it's like on set to your classes? Because that's what I find is lacking. You know, people uh, are really starting to do good in terms of workshops of here's how you audition and here are the types of things you need to know in terms of managers and uh, agents and resumes and such. But I have not found anybody that really tackles of what happens on a set. What do you need to know? The types of shots we were talking about, it's not talked about. It's like, why not? This is the stuff we actually need to know. It's not, you know, and I made sure my entire team understood that as well, you know, because mm -hmm. Again, when you're taking classes, you get so much focused on the craft of acting that you're missing out on the technical aspect. You know, so our whole lesson plan, our whole business out of acting focuses on that, even down to the call sheet. I, I realized a lot of actors didn't know how to read a call sheet. You know, so once we started implementing that, people were like, what is this gibberish? And I'm like, let's break it down. Let me show you. Pretend you're this actor here. What time you got to be the hair and makeup? What time is your first take? You know, like all those things just to make sure when an actor does book a job that they don't look too green, you know, like you somewhat know what's going on, you know, you know, because you're already going to be nervous from just the character standpoint, but at least you're going to be confident. OK, I understand how to read a contract. I understand how to read this call sheet. I understand how to know who's who, like all those things are so important. I know. And you have so many people on set. And again, you, you did your co-stars and guest stars on Gotham and, you know, um, Blacklist and, and so on. And uh, uh, you did a lot more. I think you were a, were you a guest star on FBI or are you recurring? Uh, what was the FBI and also a guest star on Blue Bloods. Right. So, uh, and again, these are huge sets. So you have, I mean, we can tell people that there is an AP, but there's not just one AP. <laughs> there are lots of APs. There are lots of people on the set. You really need to kind of understand who do I talk to, who do I not bother because they don't have time for me. Like all of that needs to be a lesson in its own. Absolutely. It's like I, I tie a lot of my sports background into what I do as an actor because when you're playing football, you know, you're away from the crowd. You're on this big field alone with the other guys on the field, and that's it. And it's the same thing with acting. And my biggest, um, my first time learning that was when I uh, filmed Gotham. Because when I did Blue Bloods first, it was just me and Steve Shareppa, like just us two and maybe a few of the camera crew. But when I did Gotham, it was background, it was extras. Like I said, a whole lot going on. So I was like, all right, let me get into that football mindset which is me and this actor on this field. Nothing else matters. You know, that's something that Michael Caine talks about. At that very moment, when you start that scene, nothing, the cameras, the lights, the direct, nothing else matters but this relationship that I'm having with this actor next to me. Um, and when I experienced that, I was like, I want to bring that back home to the studio. I want to make sure actors get that chance. So we have this exercise that we do where I have the whole class sit in a circle and I put two actors in the middle and I have them perform their scene. 
And even in the middle of the scene, I have people pass around paper. I have people start chatting with each other because I want you to understand how to stay focused even when there's a distraction going on because distraction will happen. You can't every time something goes off that you like, you get thrown off character. So like little exercises like that, that psychologically prepares you for the technical side. Perfect. And thank you. And God bless you for doing that because really people need to know. Uh, I, I you know mentioned this in frequently, maybe too frequently, but... You know, you get on set and it's an overnight shoot and uh, everybody's positioning stuff and you're waiting, sitting around for two and a half hours. You you know, get your lines done. Okay, good. Oh, now I have to shoot. Great. And then you get into the point, where is my mark, who it is? And you completely forget, what is your moment before? Why are you here? You know, you may not even remember, you know, who you're talking to because you're so in your head about making sure that you get the lines out. So, like, exactly. it's, it needs to be practiced. Uh, you you mentioned football and uh, I I actually have some questions for you about that but uh, it's all repetition it's it's muscle memory you have to be in that state otherwise you're not going to be able to perform they talk all the time about the transition from college to the pros is that the first year second year maybe things are just moving way too fast and until you get used to that until you start really slowing it down you're not going to be able to really perform or show what you can do because it's just too much stuff happening at the same time and too quickly. All fast, all too much, you know, and it's the same, the same thing with acting, you know, especially when you're first time on a major set with so many moving parts, it's going to seem like everything is going so fast where you almost forget the job itself. You, you so focus on what is everything going on? Who's this actor? You know, especially when you're just next to a celebrity or a named actor, you're like, I watch him on TV all the time. You're so stuck on that that you're like, wait, I have a job to do. And that's something that I used to have to remind myself when I first started booking co-star roles and some of the recurring roles is like, I'm here for a job. You know, I'm not here to be a fan. I'm not here to be, you know, a, a spectator. I'm actually here to work. You know, at that moment, me and that other actor, no matter who they are, we, we're doing the same thing right now. We're doing the same exact thing. And that's that's a really important thing to know because we do get into that state of being a watcher and being a fan. Uh, when I was watching your demo reel and I saw the FBI part, uh, there is me, you know, paying attention to your acting, and then I see an actress who's one of the leads on on uh, FBI. I know her because she's in my favorite gymnastics movie. You know, uh, she used to be married to Zach. Uh, uh, so immediately, I'm like, I, I lose focus on you, and I look at her that happens just with me being outside of it. You know, what do you think is going to happen if I'm actually on a set with her? Yeah. I would need to do real work to make sure that I can get all of that out so I can actually do my job. Well, I mean, the good thing, you get like a little mini rehearsal with them. You're sitting in the chairs with them a little bit. So you warm up a little bit, you know, so you get your chance to do it. But by the time you start rolling, it's like, all right, I can't do it no more. I got I to gotta actually uh, be your enemy or your, your best friend or your colleague, whatever your role is, you know. Uh, at that moment, but there, um, she was super, Missy was super cool to work with, super nice, always checked in with me, make sure I was good, you know, her and um, Zigo Zach, so I'm just honored to, like, be able to be in the same room with these actors who are working on a high level. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, going back to football for a second, because, again, you you were at least a two-sport two athlete, I think maybe more, but I know you got some scholarships uh, to uh, to play football. Uh, I didn't. It doesn't specify what your position is. I was guessing safety, uh, free safety. Where what, what position? I, did you I couldn't hit hard enough to be safety. Uh, right. I play on the offense side. I play wide receiver. I was really good with catching. 
you know, on the defense side, they put me at cornerback, which was by accident. Because uh, at the time, our our running back also played cornerback, and he just scored two back-to-back, like, 80-yard touchdowns. So he was tired. So they said, Mark, get in there. And I got in there and caught two interceptions that game. And, and then it, ever since that, they started starting me at cornerback every single time. And here's something a lot of people don't know. I only played one year of football. And in that one year, I won the MVP, broke the state record for interceptions, led my team in receptions, reception yards. So it's like, I wish I had another year of football. I could have got more scholarship offers in bigger schools, probably. Well, and maybe then you wouldn't have become an actor because you'd probably be playing ball right now. Exactly. I mean, at this age, I probably be retired from football. I'll be just getting into acting right now, kind of like how Vernon Davis is doing, like. He, he quit acting, and now he's on his way to just building his career. I mean, quit football on his way to build his acting career. Yeah, and that's where, you know, I'm, I'm kind of ticked off that Ballers is done because it really allowed, you know, people to uh, to be introduced. Eddie is amazing. Uh, I had no idea. Uh, so Eddie, whose name will come to me in a, in a second, he was a uh, running back for uh, for Tennessee. Um, oh, Eddie uh, George. Eddie George, thank you. So mm-hmm. when I saw Eddie George, I – there is a part of me that remembers him as a player, but I thought, wait a second, he's way too good to be just an athlete. This is an actor who looks like, you know, Eddie George. And then I put two and two together that Eddie George is really, really, really good actor. So I'm I'm ticked that Ballers is done because I didn't, you know, now where are we going to get a chance to see all of these athletes uh, try? Uh, and I love shows like that. That's actually one of my dream type of roles is to be on a sports movie, you know, because I come from an athletic background. So imagine mm-hmm. doing the best of both worlds of playing mm-hmm. a sport and acting at the same time. Like, I would love to have that. So who's who's your favorite team? I'm, I'm assuming you're still, you know, watching football. You're still rooting. What's your team? Absolutely. So I'm a big college football fan. So I start there with Miami Hurricanes. That is my football team. And they're doing really good this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also a Baltimore Ravens fan. Like they're finally having a really good team now over the past two years. So I'm like, it's, it's they're fun to watch now. Before it's like you just homegrown fan, but now it's like I actually like you all. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm not at that point. I'm in Chicago, so uh, Bears uh, Bears Ooh. are not giving me a lot of reasons to uh, to be happy, except for defense. Defense is 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 a really good defense, but the, our offense, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not even gonna go there. I go through a lot of quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's 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 not working. And and you know we're <laughs> who we passed up on uh, to get to our quarterback. It's just very very sad. Now, uh, yeah. but anyway, moving on. So I know that again, kind of um, you had an opportunity to uh, you know to take one of those scholarships and be uh, be a player, go go to college, and then you still decided to pursue acting. Um, acting is a is a nonlinear sport uh, where you have no idea what may or may not work. You may end up on a project that takes off. You may be exceptionally talented and barely work. So were there uh, points in your career where you thought, damn, I should have done football? That like it, I, I, I did. I had those points, especially once I graduated college and, you know, I'm on, the, you know, trying to build this career. I remember in 20 recent 2017, I didn't book like one job, like one job at all. And then here I am looking at some friends who I went to high school with, with college with and they're in the NFL making really great money. I'm like, I should have uh, 
you know, kept that going. Acting is always going to be there, but not football, you know. But then I'm reminded once I do get that next booking or uh, I see another actor who I'm coaching, I see them get their win. It reminds me that, though, this is a part of my purpose. Acting is bigger than just me doing my passion, but it's about what I'm doing on that journey. Yeah, no, that's it's it's good. Um, I have that with tennis. You know, I'm I, I'm a tennis player. I was. It's not that I was that close to being a pro, but I had the talent uh, to be a pro. It just it, it didn't uh, happen for a variety of reasons. So when I look at tennis, I still think, you know, okay, I'm 45. There is no way I can be a pro. Forget it. <laughs> you in college too? Um, I, I came I came when I was 14 because I immigrated uh, from Ukraine. So I came when I was 14. And, you know, you couldn't really, in order to be a pro, you know how it is. You have to spend, you basically have to be obsessed with it. Then you have to spend all of the time on it. You have to get your body right. You have to get your mind right. You have to have coaching. Uh, and all of that takes time, money, and focus. And, you know, being an immigrant and having other priorities, it just, it was not something that uh, was going on. I was still playing. I was still uh, kind of uh, doing things on my own, but it's, you know, then you don't take care of your body enough and then your uh, your back goes and your elbow goes and then you're like oh, oh my. yeah, yeah. Uh, next next life <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so i i want to talk to you about some of the roles that you've played and okay. you know we're we're kind of in a really turbulent time for you know for a variety of reasons um but you get a chance to play a lot of uh, a lot of cops and uh, officers and you know FBI, basically law enforcement, and then you do a lot of army, right? So I, I, that's that's your. We always talk about the uh, the typing and kind of the boxes that we get put in, and you know some of my guests are saying and they have the right approach of own the box. You know they that's how the industry sees you own it, and then you'll extend from there, but own the box and be as great as possible within that box. So that's what I see you doing, which is awesome. But, um, you know, seeing what's happening out there, being a black man uh, and then playing a police officer, were, is there any cognitive dissonance or do you get another perspective or something helps you kind of, uh, you know, get into a position where everything makes a little more sense of what's happening now in the world? The the good thing is that none of my scenes came down to a point where it had to mirror what was going on realistically in life, thank God, because that would be a tough place to be in if I had to play an officer who was, you know, on a side that did a decision that didn't make, you know, my, my community happy, you know, yeah. so being able to be in those situations is helpful, but just in general, being a cop, I do learn their day to day, you know, I learn what their life is like on the decision moment by moment, you know, thing. And so you can see why at a split second, why something can go left, but it's also a matter of understanding that yes, reform still is needed. Reform is still needs to be made based on a lot of <laughs> decisions that's made. So in my mind as a human, I'm coming from the natural response aspect, but also as a black man, I'm coming from common sense, you know, so it's just a lot that goes through my head when it comes to those roles, um, every, you know, it, the, the problems have always been there. You know, of course, over the last year or two, things have risen even more. So, again, that's why I'm glad that, you know, I didn't have any scenes that had to go there because who knows if I would have had to make a tough decision. Say, you know, I, I, I got to decline this 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 role, this episode, you know, because that, that would have been tough. Um, and as actors, it's our job to make sure we're not just doing something just for pure entertainment. But we have to make sure the story that we're telling, the role that we're playing is in line with what we believe in. 
Yeah, it's uh, and it's tough. I I totally get it. Um, I mean, Baltimore, everybody. Well, okay, not everybody, but I'm assuming everybody has watched The Wire, uh, which was is amazing, and uh, you know that deals a lot uh, with you know a slice of life in what uh, some lives are like in Baltimore. So I remember watching The Wire, and it was there were a lot of things that were just new to me because you know I'm I'm a white dude. Uh, I, I don't get to see that and it was all new and it was really, you know, kind of got me to understand that, okay, you know, the, the America that I see is not necessarily all of America. And that it was a really eye-opening experience. Oh, man, yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm glad that you were able to, you know, even though it was a show, able to learn or, you know, realize that, wow, America is different from what we see on the news or what maybe portrayed in a, uh, portrayed in other countries, you know, so that for you to be able to see that and get like, wow, that says a lot about what acting can do. You know, that's just a, a, a TV show. That's, that's supposed to be make-believe fake, but it was so authentic and the scenarios are so real that it influenced you to be like, wow, this is what's really going on out there. Yeah, and um, I, I remember because again, and you know, you uh, you um, and the in the black community will probably uh, you know laugh at me right now, but um, I remember I got pulled over by uh, by a cop in you know I live in the northwest sur uh, suburbs of Chicago. Uh, it's a it's a nice neighborhood. Uh, it's not predominantly white. It's it's uh, it's it's mixed, but it's a it's a well-to-do suburb. So I get pulled over, you know, I'm driving my uh, my Lexus, right? So I'm driving my Lexus, I make a wrong left turn, cop pulls me over, and, you know, by default, I, I'm me, right? I'm, I'm friendly, okay, so, all right, so I, I'm gonna get a ticket, whatever. So I'm waiting for the cop to come uh, to come out, and I'm looking at the, at the side mirror, and I see that the cop, the way that he's approaching, white uh, police officer, the way that he's approaching is not just walking up, and he's, you know, side and really coming, really, really carefully approaching. And, you know, I immediately say, you know what, he's he's being very careful. I'm, I'm gonna put my hands on the wheel. So I kind of open it and I see that he's really tentative. And uh, he ended up not giving me a ticket. He gave me a warning. And then as we kind of started talking, I said, listen, I, I see you kind of being very tentative. I said, you know, we're, we're in Vernon Hills. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I, is that how you, kind of you guys are trained? He said, yeah, every stop we have to do that. And then yeah. watching The Wire, it came to mind of, what if I were black? Uh, mm. This guy who was so tentative with me, white guy in a Lexus in a nice neighborhood driving, what the hell could have happened if I wasn't or if I exhibited any kind of behavior that he would have found threatening? And then you start getting to that point of holy shit. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's like it's, you feel like they always assume the worst if it's a black man. You know, they assume if it's a black man, the threat level is on a thousand. If it's anybody else, there's a possibility, but we'll handle the situation. And, and, you know, and that's what they, from the outside looking in, it looks like. You know, and I also believe that I feel like so a lot of times cars are targeted. I remember when I had my 1990 Honda Accord a few years ago, I used to get pulled over all the time for nothing. And then I roll down the window and they go, oh man, get out of here. Like, get out of here. Why you pull me over? You know, like literally happened like four or five times. 
And now the car that I drive now, it never happens. I got illegal tents on my car and I never get pulled over at all. But it's like they target certain cars and models, you know, and it's like that has to change, you know, because you never know who could be driving a car, you know. Yeah, it's the reform has to happen. Uh, I, absolutely. So there's there's no doubt about it. Um, anyway, we, we got off the acting topic, but it was I. I did find that uh, very, uh, very strange and finally started to kind of understand things a little bit from another person's perspective who may be experiencing it on a daily. Um, going back to and your school. I'm sorry. And did you, when you saw him coming around the way you did, did you feel afraid at all? Did you have any fear with the way he was coming around? No, no. I think fear is probably too strong. It was more confusions, like, mm. why are you doing this, right? I, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm me. There's nobody else in the car. Uh, right. Like, it was more of those were the thoughts that were coming uh, through. It was just, it was an unusual uh, thing. And then I actually, I talked to, uh, to another cop uh, who's, you know, Vernon Hills cop after that. And he said, yeah, uh, some of the guys that are coming uh, in and work uh, that were in the city or were in another uh, places before, they're different. They're kind of, they're a lot, you know, horrible phrase to use, but they're a lot quicker on the trigger. Uh, they're, maybe they're trained differently. Maybe the the stuff that they were getting into uh, before made them uh, that kind of concerned and taking a different approach. Whereas what I'm used to is, you know, you're, you're in a neighborhood where, you know, thank God, you know, things don't happen. You have some thefts, you have whatever. But, you know, so the cops are more at ease. So it's that level, like you were talking, it's a level of stress, right? You know, when, when you're a police officer and you're in a situation, you're immediately going through scenarios and you have to kind of make sure that you're ready for them. And if somebody is already is at a stress level of 10 and the situation escalates it's not helpful it's not helpful to anybody it's not it's yeah. not and that's what i'm saying as black men we, we that fear is there it's, it's confusion too like what, what are you doing you know especially if i'm in the middle of the highway did nothing wrong but then the fear is there especially now with you know you see so many unarmed black men being killed it's like you're afraid for the simplest things you know you're just we live in fear you know and it's unfair, and you know, I'm I'm glad that people are coming together to fight against it and and and, and try to push for police reform. But it's, it, it feels like it's a never-ending journey, you know, never-ending. I think I think it's about people, right? I mean, we can tell somebody not to stereotype, but your you, people are people, and until yeah. until we get to a point where we start actually accepting each other uh, and not judging each other for the color of our skin, seriously, I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, I think now, like, I, I don't, I don't get it. I, I know I'm an immigrant. I know I came here at 14. I'm sure it's a different kind of a cultural uh, background thing. I just, I don't get it. I don't get why right. people meet somebody differently because of the color of their skin or because somebody is gay or straight. I, I don't get it. it. It doesn't work for me. You're either a good person or you're not a good person. Everything else, I don't care. So right. Live your life. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, going back to your school, you do coaching, and I saw some of the comments from uh, from uh, you know not kids. Yeah, you know, these are these are actors. These are actors who book regulars on uh, or recurring on you know Showtime series, and I see them being very complimentary of what you have to offer. Now, from an outsider's uh, perspective, because I want you know people to uh, to do coaching with you. What is it that you feel that you're doing? that works really well and gets people to where they need to go? Well, one, the number one thing is the business side of acting. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, I try to help actors understand what we talked about before, that whole thing about type. But yeah. to understand type, you have to know who you are. So right away, when actors first sign up at our studio, they first come, it don't go straight into, oh, here's a script. And I think that catches people off guard at first, but then they end up falling in love with it because they realize how much of themselves they can be. Because you know, some people got little quirks or, or little things that people talk about about them. But I'm like, no, expose that. If that's who you are. Use it. And people start to enjoy it. But number two, I think the relationships that I have with cast and directors, agents and managers in New York is a big sell as well, because I really do have authentic relations with them. They're coming down to my studio all the time to do workshops. You know, I built a pipeline of talent going back and forth from New York to, to D.C., you know, so to be the hub here in the DMV area really means a lot to grow. Um, you know, it wasn't always easy because of my age. I was, you know, young. A lot of people didn't expect that somebody so young and black would have something like this. So I did get a few, uh, what do you call it, deflections when I used to try to promote on certain websites in the area. When I used to want certain uh, sites that would promote everybody else's fly, they wouldn't promote mine. You know, but we just kept pushing through. And once everybody started saw, seeing that we're not just a company that teaches black actors, that we teach all diversity. They saw my team was diversity. They realized like, oh, like, OK, this guy really does care about actors in general and not just black actors, you know. So when people started seeing that, the respect started coming. When they started seeing ABC cast coming down, they started seeing, you know, different agents, managers coming down. They're like, he's doing something right for these people to continue to come. And then when you see people on these book shows right there, it's, there's no other proof that you need when you see the booking. No, it's it's great. And what I what I loved is is on your website, on the on the Academy's website, <clears throat> you have a casting section uh, and you specifically say, look, we're not wrapping these people. This is for you because we have great people. Come and take a look. And that I haven't seen that in. I could be wrong. But I haven't seen that in a lot of the acting schools in Chicago, and I don't know why not. Isn't the whole point to develop uh, to develop people and to give them opportunities to work? Uh, why wouldn't you do that? So when I saw that on yours, I'm like, there's another reason. I like it. And I had a lot of opportunities because people would you know, contact our studio willing to pay us to do it. And I'm like, we're not an agency like I mean that'd be great, but like that's how much I want people to understand that this is an authentic heart that we have for actors. Is it's not about the money, it's about the relationships, you know. Uh we, we get the money from actors paying for class, but when it comes to casting opportunities, that's them. We don't get a percentage from it or anything. And I think actors fell in love with that as well. Good. And and they should, because again, it has to be genuine. Otherwise, you know, even if people uh, even if let's say that you started to charge, right? And you're doing this and you still have the genuineness behind it. Uh, people can argue, no, he's in it for the money. Yeah, just remove that whole thing. You're in it to help the people. And that's that's really the point. So I like just, if, if you even look at my prices, people will say all the time, how are your prices so low and you're surviving? Wow. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm like, when I was an actor, I couldn't afford to take class daily because prices were so high. I took class for a month and then that was it for three or four months. But mm -hmm. I was like, no, I want to make it affordable so you can continue to train daily. It's more about you learning than it is about the income. You know, the business side, sometimes it has its bumps in the road. But at the end of the day, it's like in the long run, we end up winning. Yeah. And even your one on one price. And I, I looked at that price sheet. You know, it's it's certainly on a lower uh, you know spectrum than a lot of the people I encounter. So and you spend a lot of time. It's not like, you know, half an hour, you know, you have an hour and 20 minutes is is kind of your your regular one. So absolutely. And that's kind of what we need. Right. There is no way for people to succeed if you don't have somebody helping them. So I'm glad that you took it upon yourself and the people who work for you in order to make an opportunity happen for somebody. So that's very nice. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, last question. I know I've taken a lot of your time and we've kind of danced around all sorts of topics, but um, if you had a chance to go and talk to and talk to Mark, who you know is deciding, hey, am I, am I going to do football? Am I going to go and pursue acting? And you had you know one bit of advice. What would that advice be? you the advice would be you know going back to your purpose you know because I, I want i would tell myself mm -hmm. what what are you going to do when football ends when you get injured you know when you know you get older you know you can't it can't be forever yeah the money would be amazing but you know i would rather be on a path where i can do it till i'm 100 years old you know there's actors out here still working it's not about physical thing it's if you're alive you can breathe you can you can have something you can have something going on, you know, so that's what I would advise anybody who's, you know, trying to make that tough decision. What's, what's going to help you in the long run? You know, what are you going to do to be able to position not just yourself, but other people around you uh, to succeed at what they do? Perfect. Well, Mark, it's, it's, it's really been a pleasure having you on. I appreciate it. Uh, keep going. Uh, I, I applaud you for everything that you're doing and you're doing it the right way, which is, which is good to see. I appreciate you. Thank you again for having me on your show. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. And thanks to everybody for tuning in to another episode of The Love of Acting. Please let us know what you think. Comment below. We're right here all with you. Take care.